Welcome to the Genesication interview series. Here you will gain valuable insights into all key aspects of the immense mental, physical and spiritual benefits of gardening. I'll be talking with some truly incredible and insightful humans, masters of their crafts and passionate about their life's work. Isn't gardening regenerative by nature? Excuse the pun. Isn't the very fundamental <laughs> principle of growing seeds and plants only for them to pollinate or self-fertilize and live in symbiosis with what is already going, growing around it regenerative? Well, yes, but also no. That is an oversimplification of a process that can't happen without setting up a system to allow this concept to thrive. Um, a self-fulfilling prophecy, as they say, or in this case, a self-fulfilling garden. Today, I am talking to a very special guest who is passionate about the incredible far-reaching benefits of establishing an organic and regenerative garden on our own little patch of earth in our very own backyards or local victory garden. Uh, she is a climate activist and regenerative farmer and has also published is also the published author of several invaluable books, Growing Perennial Foods, A Field Guide to Raising Resilient Herbs, Fruits and Vegetables, Growing Good Food, A Citizen's Guide to Backyard Carbon Farming, and Tiny, Tiny Victory Gardens, Growing Food Without a Yard. Please welcome Acadia Tucker. Uh, welcome. Well, thank you for having me, Kate. <laughs> Okay, would you give us just a um a very uh a definition of regenerative gardening in in just very simple terms? Sure, yeah, because it is it's a fairly new term that is uh, increasing in popularity, um, and a lot of people um, would say it's kind of like a, an extension of organic agriculture. So in organic ag agriculture, um, you know, we are limiting the use of uh, 
chemical inputs into the land, be that fertilizer or pesticides. But regenerative agriculture takes that a step further and actually really focuses on building up the health of our soil, uh, making sure that the soil ecosystem beneath our plants is healthy and thriving. Um, and with that comes the amazing benefit of this carbon sequestration. So regenerative agriculture kind of focuses on um, how can we make the whole ecosystem of our farm a better, more sustaining um, system, as you mentioned in the uh, intro. Mm. Um, and contributes to the longevity of it, I would imagine. Absolutely. When you start to think of it as an ecosystem, you know, it, it slowly over time starts to take care of itself. Um, you know, we're not trying to create a pest free uh, garden or farm situation. Um, you want the good bugs with the bad bugs um, to balance each other out and just work as if it, you know, were a meadow in nature instead of this sterile industrialized yes. um, need of growing food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like you said, it, it turns into an ecosystem, doesn't it? And yes, and it 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 does. It starts to you know take care of itself in the way of of having its own pest management systems. Um, yeah. When you grow regeneratively, you have better access to water and nutrients for your plants without having to keep putting in a lot of these inputs. A lot of times um, when farms or gardens rely on a synthetic fertilizer, um, it slowly erodes the uh, soil ecology over time. So you end up having to put more and more and more into the system rather than helping it regenerate itself and provide what it needs for itself. Yeah, wow. God, it's so important. It makes you wonder why it hasn't happened this way forever. It is true that to think, you know, I, I also, I, I often talk about a regenerative garden to people and I, I try to convince them that it's actually easier um, than doing things in a more conventional way because of this ability to take care of itself. Um, you know, it might be a little bit buggier, it might be a little bit weedier, but at the end of the day, everything is so much healthier and you're actually putting in less effort. Yeah, less effort over a long period of time and that just, it does it for you. In a exactly way. when done well yeah oh that's so clever that um, you really have a relationship with the soil uh, I feel like and you talk about it a lot um, I love that you wake up you talk about you wake up sometimes and grab a, a handful of soil and feel it and it tells you what's going on can you talk to us a little bit about uh, what topsoil is exactly and what role does it have to play in carbon sequestration um, and please elaborate on carbon sequestration for those of us who may not understand this concept and how it fits into the bigger picture of slowing down climate change and it's it goes without saying it's it's awful effects on on what's happening on the planet Absolutely. Um, you, you are right. I absolutely love soil. Um, <laughs> it's just like, I wish they would, I mean, they might make a, a so, topsoil scented candle. That would be fantastic. <laughs> um, just that earthy smell. Um, but yeah, I, I think my relationship with soil really does stem from this just 
awe-inspiring function that it performs. Um, and that's what you said, it's this ability to sequester carbon from the atmosphere. And, you know, plants do this for free already. So plants photosynthesize, that's how they make their food from the sunlight. And in that process, they're actually pulling carbon dioxide from the atmosphere to make these sugars that they need to grow. But the really interesting thing is about a large portion of these sugars actually end up underground. They kind of leak these sugars out of their roots um, to attract this community of uh, microorganisms around the roots, um, whether it be, um, you know, bugs, bacteria, fungi, they, they leak these sugars to feed this soil um, ecosystem. And what they get in return, you know, it's kind of sounds like a waste for the plant, like they're putting all this effort into making these sugars, why are they giving them away for free? Um, but it's this really interesting exchange plants have with, you know, the soil is these surrounding its roots with this community actually helps plants access nutrients easier, access water easier. Um, there's natural pest defenses, um, natural disease defenses that this community provides for the plant. So it's this really nice symbiotic relationship. Um, and then at the end of the day, these, these bugs and soil organisms are eating these sugars. And remember, these sugars were made from atmospheric carbon dioxide. So when these uh, microorganisms engorge themselves on these sugars, and then they end up dying, all of that carbon that was used to make up their bodies actually stays underground as long as that soil isn't disturbed. Um, so it, it has this, you know, it's oh this very relationship um, that has been, you know, around for forever since there was bugs and, and plants. Um, and if we can foster this relationship and build and strengthen this relationship between plants and soil organisms, um, we really can have a, a big impact if done on a large scale um, on, in the fight against climate change. Okay, so it's a part of what happens naturally, the photosynthesis. It's taking the carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere as a part of, it's when it's, it releases the sugar, is that right? Yeah, so when plants make sugar, they're obviously making it for themselves to grow, to build their own cell walls, to grow taller, bigger, stronger. Yeah. Um, but again, they 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 kind of it's called a exudes root exudes. Mm -hmm. um, but it's kind of like imagine like the plants feeding and leaking the sugar out of its roots to attract soil organisms to come hang out by it. Right. Okay. And it, sorry, and where does the carbon dioxide? It's just gets absorbed in that process, does it, Arcadia? Yes, when the plant makes its sugar, that it uses that carbon it to become that new it. sugar okay. molecule. Okay. Yeah. Right. And then when the soil organisms eat that molecule, it's, yes. it's locked up into the bodies of, of those soil organisms. Yeah, okay. So it, it just happens. Um, it's a byproduct of it. Correct. Almost, yeah. And then, you know, some of that carbon is released over time through like natural decomposition of plant materials. Mm -hmm. um, or again, the biggest problem we have in industrial agriculture is that we're constantly tilling and turning the soil or and exposing all of that carbon. That's exactly, yeah. exactly. So the, the beauty in what you're doing or in the concept of regenerative, it's such a tricky word to get out, regenerative. <laughs> um, but the, the beauty of that is that it's keeping that carbon down where we want it to be out of the atmosphere. And the more, I 
there's people that engage in and in that practice of that type of gardening the more carbon if we did that on a large scale we would just be constantly helping the environment without actually having to do anything in that sense wouldn't we we'd just be gardening and then just again a I guess not a byproduct, but the benefit of it would be, or the indirect benefit of it would be, we're also affecting or slowing down climate change. Right. And I, and yeah. that's why I think gardening is such a powerful act because I mean, we all agree this, the, the issue of climate change is, is uh, terrifying. It's daunting. It's hard to know yes. um, what an individual can do. Um, and, you know, it's not like having a garden in your backyard is going to save the world, but it's the cumulative action of all of us participating um, in this behavior that can have such a large impact. Yeah, that's so beautiful. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for being a part of that movement as well for everybody. Just takes one to spread that message. And that, and you know, that is one of my goals. It's just like, I, I love to talk to people about this. I love to share my own passion about it. And, and I, I hope it's kind of a contagious um, that other people kind of oh my gosh. get infected really with my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. I, I love it. Thank you. Uh, that, that leads me into, I guess, the next question, but what's a, a really easy way for a beginner gardener, say, to make a healthy soil or a healthy topsoil? If you, you know, if you're using manure, for example, is there one manure that might be better than another or, yeah, any, any easy tips? Yeah, I think for anyone starting out, um, the, the best way you can kind of jumpstart the health of your soil is to just use compost and a lot of it. Um, and compost can be anything, like you said, from manure, um, plant waste. Um, but the important thing is, is that you want it to have the right carbon to nitrogen ratio. And basically that just means um, it it can break down further and be broken down by the microorganisms once it's, you know, reached your soil. So as the as microorganisms continue to break down this compost, they're releasing nutrients, um, they're releasing just all this good stuff that your plant needs. And then over time, the buildup of this, you know, organic matter in your soil is just going to, again, create that, that self-living ecosystem that just kind of continues. I mean, everybody needs food um, and compost is is a great food source for those soil organisms um, in your soil. And, and again, it can be from anything. I wouldn't say that there's um, a better compost than the other. You just wanna make sure that the compost was made with good ingredients. I think a lot of store-bought, you know, pre-bagged compost is, is pretty lacking. Um, a lot of it, at least in the US here, is made from things like sawdust or just things that don't have an inherent good nutrient value to begin with. So when you are looking for compost for your garden, just make sure you do a little bit of, of your own research um, and, you know, make sure that you're putting a good product down. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. And what about making your own compost? Sure. I, I, that's my preferred method is making my own because I know exactly what's going into it, right? I know that there's not any sort of 
you know, gross things or added chemicals or, or anything like that. So in my backyard garden, I do have my own compost pile and I, I set it up as like a bin system. So I have three open bins and that way I can start up, start on a pile um, and then I can let it sit and, and do its thing while I kind of fill up the other bays. Um, and I, I get, I've, over the years, I've become pretty loose about how I make compost. Um, I really just try to layer green materials and those are gonna be your materials rich in nitrogen with brown materials, um, which are your materials rich in carbon. So I just like to layer them. If I say I'm doing some gardening and I throw a bunch of, um, you know, vegetable clippings into the compost, then I like to cover it up with maybe some straw um, to kind of balance out that ratio of green and brown. And then you'll want to do keep it moist. So if you live in a really dry climate, like I'm sure a lot of Australia is right yeah. now, um, you will have to water it occasionally um, to kind of, you know, keep, you know, compost is a living thing. It's filled with worms and bugs and, and microscopic microorganisms. So you do have to keep it in a moist environment if you want it to break down quickly. Mm -hmm. Okay, beautiful. Thank you. And if you're not composting and doing all of those wonderful things, you can get a store-bought option, but please be very careful, like you said, about uh, which one you're choosing because it will have an impact on... It will. And, and in the US, a, a, a unfortunately common situation now is a lot of these large-scale compost companies are using recycled sewage sludge, um, <gasps> which you know is filled with pharmaceuticals and... Um, you know, it is pretty much <clears throat> free of bacteria and stuff like that, but it has all these other, you know, imagine people eat and what their waste looks like. So it's not really required for them to divulge that information. Um, and in a perfect world, I would love for us to be able to compost and recycle our own waste because that is just the definition of regeneration, right? Um, but as it's in its current state, sewage sludge and compost is unregulated and, and it's just not um, something you want to be adding to your soil because you could be introducing some some nasty chemicals in the process. Okay, thank you for that message. Okay, again, for the beginner gardeners, would you mind just explaining the difference between just a perennial and an annual plant and just one or two big key benefits of, of having the perennials? Sure, so an annual, annual plant is... Um, what you would consider a lot of our, our favorite vegetables, um, you know, cucumbers, squashes, carrots. Well, it's a little tricky because carrots are technically biennial, but it's a lot of your favorite garden crops. Um, and what an annual means is it completes its life cycle in one year. So you plant it by seed, it grows, you harvest, it goes to seed, um, and then it's done. Um, and you'll have to replant that plant every year to get the same crop where a perennial, is, it keeps coming back year after year. Um, and the reason perennials um, are so good at this is because they have such a robust root system, um, which also makes them one of my favorite, you know, powerhouses in the garden. Because again, when we were talking about these roots are really what help sequester carbon with that interaction between plants and soil, soil organisms. So a real benefit of a perennial is its staying power. Um, you don't have to till the soil to to get a healthy crop because it's just planted and comes back for you to enjoy year after year um, and then those roots the, those roots 
um, under the perennial as well, you know, help to aerate the soil. They open up channels for water to flow through. Um, and again, they just help to support this really robust underground community um, that's just going to make your garden healthier and self-sustaining. Oh, that's so beautiful. You painted a really lovely picture. I can just see that all happening underneath the soil with these roots and these perennials because it's a bit of an iceberg effect and you really don't think about it when you're standing out there looking at the garden. Um, Absolutely. And here in, in Maine, you know, we do have some pretty severe winters with lots of snow and it's cold and it's ice and having these roots permanently in the ground mm. provides kind of a safe haven for these soil organisms to overwinter as well. Oh, okay. It's nice. Mm. Really looking out for them. So important. Um, I love the idea of well as well of standing out and looking at the garden and thinking about um, what are strawberries? Are they perennial or? Strawberries are perennial. Um, so sometimes they require a little extra care with um, managing all the runners they shoot out. Um, a lot of times that host central host plant will actually die back to give those runners or those baby strawberry plants a fighting chance. Okay self-sacrificing yeah. <laughs> but I just love the idea of standing out and looking at the strawberries and thinking that you're actually having an effect on on climate change absolutely and, and again it is just one of the message I like to you know spread with gardening is that it does have that feeling of you know of, of empowerment it's yes. it really when you start to understand exactly. the the relationships you're forming and the ecosystem you're building in your backyard, you know it 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 starts you 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 you're awestruck, really. I mean, I am. Yes. <laughs> uh, you're very inspirational. Uh, and just the first two benefits that come to mind of planting uh, local indigenous species in the garden. Absolutely, and a big benefit of of planting native species is they're well adapted to the area you are because they've been here um, a lot of times before we we have um, and and at the same time too a lot of the natural ecology in your area is used to these plants so it's really great for pollinators they know exactly what food they're getting and where to get it um, and they require less inputs again because they're they're used to the climate um, that you're growing them in already. So a lot of times they'll need less fertilizer, less watering, um, and, and a lot of them are perennials. So you get that added benefit as well. Beautiful. Okay. And bringing in those friendly bugs. Absolutely. And it is, a, it's all about, you know, I think a lot of gardeners, um, might say, you know, it's, easy to assume or like oh I have a garden I don't want any bugs at all right bugs are bad um, but a lot of bugs are good um, and as long as you're balancing out you know those bugs that are you know going to put some holes in the leaves of your lettuce with the the good predator crops and or bugs and pollinator bugs um, that's what you want to achieve in a garden is that ecosystem that I keep talking about um, you don't want a sterile environment um, because at the end of the day you're going to have to work a lot harder and we don't want that who wants to work harder nobody <laughs> <laughs> right gardening should be fun it shouldn't be a chore yeah. okay oh lovely uh this is the last one uh what is your favorite time of the day uh, to be out in the garden or out working on the farm um and how do you feel when you're out there 
my favorite time of the day to to be in the garden or at the farm is definitely in the morning. I love to walk around with my thermos of coffee or tea. Um, you know, the sun's not too hot yet. You know, everything's a little bit quiet and sleepy still. Um, and I really just like to take that time to like walk in between the rows of the vegetables, you know, maybe do a little bit of pruning on my tomatoes. Um, and it's really just a very calming feeling. Um, it kind of centers me for the rest of the day. You know, things can get crazy. Um, so it's just having those few moments uh, alone with my coffee, <laughs> talking to my plants um, is pretty much, in my opinion, the perfect way to start your day. Oh, <laughs> well, you're in the right job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I should let you go and, and take your coffee out into the, where you would love to be. That's exactly <laughs> where I'm headed. Oh, right? okay. yeah. <laughs> Good. oh, thank you for joining me um, before you do that. I think, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're a wealth of knowledge and um, very inspirational and Thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Thank you for having me, Kate. Oh, my pleasure.